You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. Why do we suffer? Hello, welcome to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org. Many causes of suffering are outlined in this episode, and Adam and Eve coming under sin's influence brought about many problems and consequences. However, it does help us to develop empathy so that we can show compassion and focus on the promises of the future that God has made. The question of why do we suffer, like probably many of you, I've had ups and downs in my life. We've had high times, we've had low times, sickness, we've had health. Um, But I think overall, I've lived a fairly uh, non-suffering life up to this point. But nonetheless, we all do suffer at some point in our lives. Before we look at what the Bible says about this subject, I wanted to, to have us think about some of the causes of suffering. Now, this is by no means an exhaustive list, and I'm sure you can think of other causes of suffering, but I've tried to think of every possible cause that I could for suffering for an individual, uh, be it a believer or a non-believer. So you have those things like natural disasters, no fault of anyone. These things happen. I mean, maybe you decided to build your house in a, a dangerous area, but still, it's a natural disaster. You can't really uh, fault anyone for these. Grief causes suffering if the loved one uh, perishes or dies. Um, If bad things happen, we grieve. That causes suffering. Sometimes there can be direct or indirect consequences of a personal sin that someone may do or commit or a a lifestyle that's a a sinful lifestyle. And these that we know can have consequences that could cause suffering. Uh, perhaps we're a victim of another's evil. And we see this all the time this, these days, especially with this terrible war in Ukraine. And uh, you see all these, these victims of, of, of evil. Just, just really, that's all you can call it is mankind's evil. Um, we, can, we can suffer through empathy. We see another person suffering. And some people are more or less, uh, we might call it empathic. You can pick up another person's suffering and then you feel bad for them. And this can cause suffering. Some of us are less empathic. My wife always tells me I'm not that empathic, but I don't know. Um, I don't pick up on it, so maybe I wouldn't know. Um, You can be a member of a group that is suffering. Sometimes a group is isolated. And just because you're a member of that particular group in society, you can suffer for that reason alone. Um, Sometimes suffering is preventative. Uh, Sometimes it's it's a bit of a warning sign that something's not right and you need to go do something. So suffering like this, for example, if you have a, an early warning sign of a, an odd pain or something, discomfort in your, in your body, it might be a warning sign that you need to go get treatment for cancer or something like that. Um, it could be in a, a metaphorical way. There's something you just know in your mind, something's not right and you need to correct in your life. Something's not right. Um, we can suffer for righteousness sake. You know, doing the right thing and choosing to follow Jesus is not always easy we can suffer for that sometimes whether it's in our mind resisting sin sometimes 
sinning is the easy way. And it, it, it makes us suffer to do the things that are right. And another one is that at times, not right now and not in this country, but people have, we know, have been persecuted for their beliefs. Uh, having faith in Jesus and faith in, in the gospel message and in the scriptures has been opposed by the state at times. So there's probably other reasons for uh, suffering, but these are the ones we're going to think about this morning. Okay. So in the end, many of these reasons for suffering come down to sin. So if you have a Bible there, you can look on the screen. I've put up some verses here from Genesis chapter 3. And I tend to use the King James version of the Bible, but I have some ESV passages as well. Because sometimes the King James is a little confusing, especially in Paul's letters. But this is from the King James Bible. We know this passage very well. The, the, the consequences of the sin, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, you're cursed above all cattle. There is a consequence of Adam and Eve's sin. The animals were cursed. Above every beast of the field, on the belly thou shalt go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of your life. I'll put enmity between thee and the woman. Now you have nature against humans. Nature is, is, is afflicted in some way. It's changed. Humans are afflicted with sin. For the rest of, until, until the kingdom comes, humans will be afflicted with this, this, this sinful nature that what desires to sin. It's bent towards sin. Um, between your seed and her seed, it will bruise your head and thou shalt bruise his heel. And of course, that's speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, but we won't get into that this morning. That's not the subject. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. And so you have this, this, this problem, this curse that various things are going to affect women um, in a physical sense, in a moral sense. Women are, are cursed of this and all future women that came from Adam and Eve. Um, all people, whoever existed, have been cursed by this. And sorrow, you will bring forth children. Your desire will be to your husband. He shall rule over thee. And there's a, there's a hint there that you have one of the major problems with, from uh, relationships. Uh, problems with uh, suffering that we have from our own relationships. Adam was then cursed as well. Because you hearkened unto the voice of your wife, you ate of the tree, which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy seek. In sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. And this is that, that curse or that consequence of on the natural world. It was now going to be a change from what it was before Adam and Eve sinned. So if you look at this, all these things that happened there, um, you have men being cursed, women being cursed, the, the natural world, animals, uh, everything. This is kind of a... If you look at all these things, these are all linked back to a, either a direct or an indirect consequence of, of sin in the beginning. All these things, even natural disasters. I'm not sure if they really would have happened before Adam and Eve's sin. It certainly seems like a lot of these things, uh, pestilence, uh, death, these didn't necessarily happen in the same way to humans before this. So what causes suffering? Ultimately, it's sin. Now, we have to be very careful when we say this, though, because we can mean this in an indirect way, and we can judge our brothers or sisters in, in, incorrectly and unfairly sometimes um, by attributing this one way or the other. 
But ultimately, I think this is what causes suffering in our lives and in the world at large. Just think for a moment about suffering due to natural causes. There's a really interesting passage in, uh, in Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8. And we may have seen this before, but I've, I've just highlighted a portion of that scripture there. Um, this is from the ESV, because it reads a little, a little clearer, I think, than the King James Version. The creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Look at this, this sentence. For we know that the whole creation hath been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. That's pretty bad. That's, that's a terrible way of describing the effect on the whole of creation as a result of the sin of Adam and Eve and the consequence to that sin. That's uh, the state of, of where we are today. And, and all kinds of suffering happens to humans because of the state of creation. Um, <clears throat> I think you have included in this type of suffering, you have regular suffering, which comes just from immortal dying creatures. We all get sick, we, we are frail, we age, etc. This is sort of normal suffering, we might call it. Let's think about this a little more detail. Suffering as a direct consequence of our sin. Sometimes we commit a sin and there's a consequence to that. What if we commit a sin that's a, a something, a crime that the state has said, if you do this and we catch you, you're going to go to prison. That's a consequence for our sin. Sometimes the, the sin we commit is, is moral, but it's not necessarily illegal. And, but it still has a consequence. Our families are unhappy with us. We've done something that society judges is not the right thing to do. It's not illegal, but it's not right. But ultimately, because we've sinned, we're going to die. That's an ultimate uh, aspect. The, the reward, the wage, as it says in Romans chapter 6 of, of sin, is death. So that's uh, one type of suffering as a direct result of sin. What about suffering as a result of another's sin? This is another type of, of suffering. And um, if you look at, at empathy, I thought this was a good passage from the letter to the Romans again. Romans chapter 12. Um, this is a very real type of suffering that we can, uh, we can have in our lives, unfortunately. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 15. And in fact, we're commanded to try to be like this. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. This is a, a description of the fact that Paul is saying that as brothers or sisters of each other, we need to have empathy and we need to suffer when other people are suffering. We need to feel that if we don't really feel like this for our brothers and sisters, when they're going through trials, it may be that there's a problem with us and we don't really know them as well as we should. And we need to change that perhaps to get to know them better, to feel when they're not feeling well and, and, and so forth. We can be a victim of another's sin. We didn't do anything wrong, but we were in the wrong place at the wrong time and a, another person afflicted us with a crime. And in Psalm 9, I'm not going to turn that up right now, but there's a, a good verse to go to when, when, when there's nothing else. Maybe no one listens to you. No one really knows what happened to you. And you're a victim of a crime and you're suffering. 
you can always go to God and he'll help you in all. We know that in all, in all cases. Uh, flip over to Judges chapter 21. There's an interesting little story there that relates to this type of suffering when we might be part of a group that is, is isolated for persecution. <clears throat> that happens in society. You can see as Russia moves into Ukraine, more and more they're speaking like they want to annihilate the, the Ukrainian people, the Ukrainian nation. And this has happened all throughout history before. But just look at this one here. This is an interesting one. It maybe hits a little more home at times when we have factionalization in the brotherhood. Judges 21, starting at the beginning. The men of Israel had sworn in Mizpah, saying, There shall not any of us give his daughter unto Benjamin to wife. And the people came to the house of God and abode there till even before God. They lifted up their voices and they wept sore and said, O Lord God of Israel, why is this come to pass in Israel? That there should be today one tribe lacking in Israel, and, and and largely through through not really the direct fault of the Benjamites, they were now isolated as a group, and they were suffering as a result of some people's sin, but not necessarily these poor people who were left over, the six hundred who survived, but they were isolated out. And we can have this factionalization sometimes in the brotherhood, and it's not it's not a good thing. Um. There's some verses I put up on the screen there that you can look up if you wish to, but we're going to skip them right now. But they're, they're relating to the suffering that can happen because of our walk in Christ. And um, if in 1 Peter chapter 4, there's a little passage there that talks about resisting sin can cause us to suffer directly. We can feel bad. We look at our neighbors who seem to be enjoying the fruits of sin. Sometimes they're... They're doing things that we can see direct evidence in the Bible saying you should not do this. And they're having a happy life. And there's us trying to do the right thing. And now we're suffering for that. We can feel bad in our minds. We feel like it's not fair. I'm doing the right thing and I'm still suffering. This is just part of our, 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 our life in Christ. This is the way it's supposed to be. And there's a passage in John chapter 15 about people hated Jesus, and they went so far as to crucify him, as we're going to look at later on this morning in the, in, um, in the meeting, the memorial service. If they did that to Jesus, there is definitely a possibility that one day that could happen to us. And that's exactly what Jesus says there. They hated me, they could hate you. And, and this has happened in history. And sometimes we can suffer by doing our ecclesial duty. It's not always easy. And it's not always nice to do things unfortunately sometimes in ecclesial life that we're commanded to do and so this is another aspect of suffering the ultimate question though after thinking about all these things about what causes suffering we always think about why is there suffering and why doesn't god stop it but take a step back from that and just think about what are we really asking God to do? So here's a case study. We've got some pain. Let's say we've got some chronic pain. Our back has always hurt. It always will hurt. Our shoulder, we, we, we injured it in our youth. And it's always felt bad. Why hasn't God relieved this? It just isn't right. I've lived a good life. I've tried to follow Jesus. And I've got this pain. It just never goes away. What are we asking God to do, though? 
So let's 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 take it back to the the science of it. We're asking God to to what to stop the nerves from telling our brain to feel pain in that area. Is this asking God to stop all pain? We'll never get a headache or a toothache or a sore foot if we stub our toe. What if it's a warning type of pain? Do we want that to still work, but not the annoying one to work? You you, you and I probably both know that there's uh, some uh, diseases which can cause nerves to stop working throughout the whole body or in certain areas. Uh, diabetes, for example, can cause nerves to, to fail. And people then can injure themselves and not even know it. That leads to, to serious problems in health. Is that what we really are looking for? What if God gave us temporary relief? Are we asking for it again the next time? What about everyone else then? Is it just Christadelphians shouldn't feel pain and suffering? Or maybe people that are looking to learn the Bible? Is that how it's we're really? Are we really asking God to do this? We really need to think about this when we complain that God just isn't listening to our prayers and, and, and taking this away from us. Would this lead to people seeking to follow Christ just to not feel physical pain instead of looking at the, 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 the whole thought process of why we should follow Christ? All right, let's look at another case study. What about when we see these terrible natural occurrences which afflict us from time to time around the world? Not so much in this country. It doesn't seem like there's too many things besides lots of rain. But um, I remember I was about 20 years ago, and it was near the end of the year. I think it was the beginning of a new year. There was a terrible tsunami that hit uh, the Indian Ocean, an earthquake and tsunami. And it was awful. And so many people suffered in Thailand and, and, and India. And, and, and a lot of us thought, and a lot of people in the world who are atheists thought, there's a God. Why did he not? Why did he stop this? How could a God who exists allow this to happen? All right, let's take a step back and think about what are we then asking God to do? Are we saying then we don't want that tsunami just to not kill us if we're in that area that's afflicted? Are we saying that, well, maybe just Christadelphians should be protected or just our families if they're not Christadelphians? What about everyone else who was there? Should they also be protected? Should no one ever suffer from that tsunami? What about any other tsunami that ever existed in history? Okay, take a step back from tsunamis. What about any other natural disaster like an earthquake or a volcano or a landslip or, or anything? Are we asking God seriously to stop the consequent, the, the natural laws of science to stop functioning because if humans are in danger of their life? And then again, it brings us back. If God did that, would anyone have to even read the Bible to believe in God or to have faith at all? Would there be any purpose to having faith in Jesus? What would be the point of it? We would have direct evidence of God. As soon as you say, I, I, you read the Bible a little bit and get baptized, suddenly you can walk through a volcano and not be injured. Is that what we're really asking God to do here? here here's another one, the final one we'll think about. Um, we see these wars like in Russia and Ukraine, and we know that God could step in and stop it today. He could cause all the weapons to, to turn into, you know, flowers or whatever. He could if he wanted to. And so atheists and, and people challenging believers will say, why does God not do this? Why does he not step in and stop a war? And then let's think about what are we asking God to do? Are we asking God to go back into uh, President Putin's head and 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 make his th 
thinking change so that the war will not occur? Um, is it just a supernatural failure for weapons to hurt any human? Are we asking just to the Christadelphians in Ukraine, for example, they're not going to be affected by this. What exactly are we asking God to do? And, and, if, it, and, and if we're asking it for a war, that the violence won't affect the people or that violence will cease. What about normal crimes we have in cities or elsewhere? Violent crime against one another. Are we asking God to stop all violent crime? So this is the, 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 the thought process we really should think about when we think about suffering. It brings up, always comes back to this problem of free will. And in our dispensation or in this age that we live in today, God cannot act this way. It doesn't make any sense. Everything starts to fall apart if God removed suffering from humanity or even from believers. It just doesn't work. Everything stops making sense. And the entire plan of God, it wouldn't really exist, wouldn't be needed. Salvation would make no sense. God's plan for the earth would be ridiculous. It wouldn't have any use. Um, Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. Why it's so important for free will to exist at the expense of having suffering, it's explained in the Bible. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly <clears throat> in love. God wants us to serve him freely with a free choice through faith. And that may mean that we're going to have to suffer as a result of that. John chapter 7, 17. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. This is inherent. There's so many verses that talk about this idea that God wants us to freely make the decision to worship him. That this is the, his whole plan is, is, is all bound up in this idea of free will of humans. Look at Mark chapter 8, verse 34. He called the crowd to him along with his disciples and he said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. It's a choice. It's not a, a given that you everyone will do this with no thought involved. And Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come and eat with that person and they with me. So there's this whole choice involved in that as well. You have to choose to open the door to allow Jesus in. So God wants us to choose to follow him through faith. If the world worked in this possible way where there was no human suffering, then no one would follow God through faith. Okay, so so what? The, the, the atheist might say, that's great. Let's get rid of free will if there's no suffering. That's much better in the world. Who wants to live in a world with suffering and faith if you could opt, if you could not? So why does free will matter so much to God? Why does he allow us to make the choice to worship him? Why does it matter so much? I think part of the answer is, it's the only real way we have of, of, of determining if we truly have value for God. If we, if we make that choice freely, then that shows that we really, it means something to us. It's important to us. <clears throat> it's, it's the only way. Think about if there was a world with no free will and people knew that unless they did what Jesus told them to in the Gospels, 
then they were at risk of dying due to suffering or suffering. Um, would anyone want the kingdom? Well, why, why would you? The kingdom would be there really on earth, wouldn't it already? Eternal life would already be there because suffering due to death would be removed. Um, there would be all goodness. No one would be hurt one another's feelings ever. There'd be no wars, be no suffering. That's the kingdom really, isn't it? That's what we see in their vision of the kingdom. Um, choice, faith, it would be completely irrelevant. Everyone would follow the God, but it would be a whole meaningless world of, I call them robots. It just wouldn't be any value to God. And Jesus faced this in his ministry. He was really worried that people were following him just for the miracles, just for the relieving of suffering. And they weren't following him because they re recognized in their hearts that, 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 that they were mortal sinning creatures who needed to be changed. So in the miracles that Jesus did, this was a, a serious concern he had. Look at John chapter 6. Uh, in verse 26, Jesus answered and said to the people, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for the meat which endureth forever unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. Him hath God the Father sealed. And that's exactly what would happen in a world with no suffering if you follow God. We would all follow God for the wrong reasons. We would just be thinking about the, 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 the stopping of suffering and not for the, true, the truth of it all. Um, you look at John chapter 3, verse 1 to 2. You can see there that there was a few people in Jesus' life that followed him simply because they loved his teachings. I think I'm about to run out of time, so we'll just skip through here. But um, we'll just quickly read this passage, John chapter 3. There was a, a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And he came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with thee. But Nicodemus was only one of many who followed Jesus freely. Mark chapter 6, though, you have these enormous crowds that followed Jesus and chased him around the countryside looking for free food and a relief from the symptoms of their suffering. And in fact, though, if you look at the end, Luke chapter 23 at the end, when Jesus is... Uh, is up to, to be crucified for absolutely no reason. These same massive crowds, they forgot about the miracles, didn't matter at all to them. They, they, the, the teachings of Jesus had not affected their mind, and they chose Barabbas over Jesus and asked for Jesus to be crucified, these massive crowds. I don't think it would be any different today, to tell you the truth, if, if, if these were happening. We would be exactly the same. God wants us to be a very special people, a peculiar people, it's not going to be very many of us. There's going to be a few people that seek for God. And if suffering were removed, this would not be the way it is at all. You would have a, an enormous group of people who would say they're following God, but in reality, it, was just, it would just be for the, the benefits. So to summarize here, um, suffering is a result of sin and not necessarily our sin. But it's a result of sin, Adam and Eve's sin, and the corrupted world we live in. It can be a, a consequence of a, a mistake we've made a sin or another person's sin. Ultimately, though, 
We're looking for the suffering to be removed in the kingdom of God soon to come on earth. And God has chosen not to remove suffering from this dispensation because he wants us to freely choose to worship him. And, and this would not occur were all the suffering removed. Just summarize, just finish up with a couple of verses, which I found were really a nice thing to think about in this topic. Romans 8, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So if we're going through a suffering right now in our lives, the, the idea in the Bible is to try to look at the future. And it can be really tough to look through our suffering. But this is going to be so much better in the kingdom than what we're going through now. The kingdom of the Lord, world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah. And he will reign forever and ever. And we look forward to that day. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org if you enjoyed the episode then please share it with others until next time may god bless you in your studies and your walk towards god's kingdom amen